first official episode of Unfuck the Poor. The first season is the complete audiobook of Unfuck the Poor, available as a free PDF along with bonus material, additional show info, and meaningful, informative essays on global issues such as trans rights and racism at askaleftist.com. This episode is a two-part introduction with a special guest interview. I record in an open space, so please forgive the ambient background noise of real life. All right, enough fucking around, let's get started. Unfuck the Poor, first published as an audiobook in 2021. No intellectual copyright on this project. We don't believe in borders, not even copyright borders. Dedicated to workers everywhere. If you're passing time at work with earbuds in, or if you're feeling down because you got laid off, or if you're so over the whole fucking thing you just want to give up, this is for you. Introduction, part one. Economics is fucked. No matter how many times I disparage economists in this book, understand I find their work fascinating and just as rigorous as real science. Please take this excerpt from the science journal Nature, defending these soft sciences as a token of good faith. Now, this article was written in response to an amendment proposed by Senator Jeff Flake that would have prevented National Science Foundation funding for political science. Scientists should ask themselves which vulnerable research program could be next on the hit list. Climate change education, perhaps. Part of the blame must lie with the practice of labeling these social sciences as soft, which too readily translates as meaning woolly or soft-headed. Because they deal with systems that are highly complex, adaptive, and not rigorously rule-bound, the social sciences are among the most difficult of disciplines, both methodologically and intellectually. They suffer because their findings do sometimes seem obvious, yet equally, the common-sense answer can prove to be false when subjected to scrutiny. There are countless examples of this, from economics to traffic planning. This is one reason that these social sciences probably unnerve some politicians, some of whom are used to making decisions based not on evidence, but on intuition, wishful thinking, and with an eye on the polls. Economics is boring as fuck. It's a bunch of math and graphs and confusing words to describe the math and graphs. It's old people on Fox News and CNN talking about deficit spending and tax wedges. Experts on the news really like to talk about the deficit, and so do grandparents and racist uncles. They don't know what they're talking about. Seriously. My daughter was born in 2011 when I didn't have a job or a degree. My wife and I took on a lot of student debt so our daughter wouldn't have to suffer from our fuck-ups. The economy was shit when she was born, and debt was our only option. There were no jobs, and the safest thing was to take out student loans, live off those, get advanced degrees, and hopefully get entry-level jobs after. We're also white, so doing all of the above was an option. More on that later. For most black, indigenous, and people of color, this path wasn't possible, and the recession hit them and the working class the hardest. It's something that didn't have to happen, but our government let it happen because economics is fucked. My wife and I came out on the other side unscathed. Now we're massively in debt, but we have good jobs and our degrees. She has a PhD and I have a master's. When we get letters, they say doctor and mister. My wife is way smarter than I am. Economics isn't math and graphs. Economics is the story of flesh and blood humans as they live their day-to-day -day lives. Economics is money and people and how money affects people and how people affect money. In other words, economics does not belong in the realm of physics, chemistry, or molecular biology. It is a science of human behavior in the same realm as psychology, sociology, and political science. 
The way economics is discussed today takes a rather narrow approach, usually hyper-focused on deficits of all sorts, fiscal, trade, income, current account, etc. A person could think that's all there is to the economy, but a person could also think that a tidy summary, the kind of summary found in textbooks, lays out all the rest, the study of the production, distribution, and consumption of goods and services, but a person would be mistaken and bored. Economics attempts to predict the future based on math and graphs from the past. Economists can always explain how something happened after it happened, but they're only guessing when they say how things will happen, and they are only hoping when they tell us how things should happen. You could argue that this is how science works too, but it isn't. Molecular biologists rely on protocols to perform experiments, a set of instructions that describes the flow of work required to complete a task. That's kind of dense, but it's like a recipe that you follow to get a desired outcome. In the simplest example, a DNA sequence. What you do with that DNA sequence depends entirely on your research goal. You need the DNA to collect data, and to get the DNA, you have to follow a specific protocol. Economics treats the protocols as the valuable data and attempts to make decisions based on that. Because economics is fucked, you get fucked up policies that don't help people who need help. You get fucked up policies that are racist or otherist. They disproportionately affect black, indigenous, and people of color and other social minorities like the disabled, LGBTQI+, the elderly, the mentally ill, the houseless. You get fucked up advice from the same people who make fucked up policies and you get fucked up explanations for why their bad decisions are good decisions for some reason. Hank Paulson has been featured in several recent propaganda documentaries explaining why all of his horrible decisions around the 2008 crash were actually good decisions. But I digress. Because economics is fucked, you and I have little say in how the economy functions. We are not part of the economy. We are people, sure, and the economy affects us, yes, but economic policy is not for us. We are consumers, and how we talk about economics today is not for the people. It is strictly for the collectors of revenue, but it tells us how you and I should act under its rules. When people come to the defense of capitalism, which is to defend modern economics as a whole, the most frequent misperception they have is the assertion that they themselves are capitalists. If we have jobs, we are not capitalists. Capitalists own the corporations and businesses that hire all the workers whose pay allows them to participate in the capital economy as consumers. If we have jobs, we are consumers and not capitalists. If we don't have jobs and we don't own the means of production, we are still technically consumers, but our ability to consume is limited by the help provided by the state. I will use the words corporation, state, flesh-and-blood human, market, and capitalism a lot in this book, so it will help to define them. Decorporation is any business or organization whose purpose is to make a profit. The state is any government, real or proposed, whose purpose is to regulate the corporation and provide public assistance. Flesh-and-blood humans are me and you, not corporations. The market is the network of all currency transactions and trade, and capitalism is the economic system that governs the market. These definitions end the first part of this introduction, and for the second half of this introduction, I hope you're familiar with the online game Roblox and the Roblox game Adopt Me. Adopt Me has a very complex trade economy for which I'm taking an unconventional approach for an audiobook by sharing a live interview with an expert on digital tokens and the pet economy. 
Introduction Part 2, The Roblox Economy. You already know more about economics than you think. In fact, children typically figure out efficient economic models all on their own. My daughter, for example, plays an online game called Roblox. If you have kids, maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you play it yourself. The important thing here is that Roblox sells in-game currency, Robux, and has in-game currency for different Roblox games. My daughter loves to play Adopt Me, and this game has Adopt Me dollars. My daughter does chores for Robux or Adopt Me dollars instead of cash money. Cash money is worth less to her than fake online in-game currency. So, what does she know about economics? The rarity of a pet on Adopt Me, like a Mega Neon Flyride Blue Dog, gives it a higher value, legendary, and the time spent raising it from newborn to full-grown adds value, and Mega Neon, rideable, or flyable pets are both ultra-rare and have the highest added value possible. When making a trade, she has to consider the rarity and added value to decide if she's making a good trade or a bad trade. But what makes a good trade on Adopt Me? If you asked an economist, they would say that if you have the rarest and most valuable pet on Adopt Me, you would never trade it. It has maximum value and any trade you make will be a loser. Now trading for in-game money might be a good trade, whether it's Adopt Me money or Robux and what you want to do with it. In fact, if there is no trade and nothing further to gain, then why hold on to an asset? Liquidating assets at their maximum value and pocketing the profit is, after all, the entire point of capitalism. But Adopt Me doesn't work that way. Pets are traded and their market value is merely a factor in how a trade plays out. If you ask my daughter what makes a good trade, she would say that a trade is good if she gets what she wants. That's it. She didn't say that what she wants has to be more valuable than what she traded or that she is trying to out-trade other players. No one ever explained to these kids how to play Adopt Me. They just basically made an entire economy and language out of the simple task of raising pets and trading them, with much more consistent rules and outcomes than we see in our actual economy. And to prove it, I posed some theoretical questions to an expert on Adopt Me based on some of the best, or uh, worst, economic policies and practices of the past century or so. And for this next part, I'm not actually going to read what I wrote in the book. I'm going to share an interview that I had with the Adopt Me expert, and that would be my daughter. Okay, so I wanna talk about Roblox. Can we do that? Yeah. Let's say we wanna change the rules of Roblox, or Adopt Me, right? Mm -hmm. So let me, I'm gonna ask you several scenarios and you tell me what you think of these rule changes, okay? Okay. Okay, so, all right, starting the game, you get no egg meaning you cannot start raising a pet. Uh, you basically, you, you have to try to find an egg to start, but you don't start off with an egg. How do you feel about that change? I don't think I like it very much because the egg gives you a really big start. And I don't think without the egg, I would be able to even like have any good pets at all right now, mm -hmm. uh, which I currently do have good pets. So okay. I don't think I'd have them right now. All right. So... That's a pretty good answer. Thank All you. right, so now there are a lot of pets, right? Yes. And you can just get whatever, like you basically find a pet, you save your money, and then you can buy one, right? Or you can trade, right? Yes. Okay, so what if Roblox was like, there are way too many pets, and uh, basically Roblox or Adopt Me was like, we're going to 
increase the price of these pets so that people can't get as many. And they're just going to keep increasing the prices. What do you think about that change? I don't like it because I think that the chance of you getting a really good pet from them is kind of low. Mm -hmm. Uh, But certain legendary pets are easy to get from them, but some aren't. So if they increase the price even more and more, a lot of people wouldn't have too many of good pets. Mm-hmm. And so I think that would include a, like a lot of people that are like really broke and they wouldn't have very many chances of getting better pets because no one else is going to have the better stuff either. Oh, because basically you're cutting access to all the pets for everyone. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how do you make how do you make money on Adopt Me? Basically, you can become a baby and you can do tasks for yourself mm-hmm. and your pet. But if you stay an adult, you can do tasks for a different kid that is in the game and they turn into a baby. Mm-hmm. Or you could do them for just your pet. Mm. All right. What about all right? What about to make money? Someone has to hire you to do a task, and then they decide how much to pay you. Like even even if Roblox increase the price of pets like they're not going to necessarily pay you more they can be like no i'm not going to pay you anymore even though pets cost more i don't think i'd like that very much even though they're thinking about adding jobs Mm -hmm. you wouldn't really have to get hired you could just do the job right and then someone else is telling you how much money you can make yeah is that good no why not because really it should be the same for everybody in the game so they all have the same chance of getting something you know, mm-hmm. what if the person with all the pets loses all of their pets because they made a bunch of bad trades and Roblox is like, you know what? That really sucks. So we'll just we'll just give you all your pets back. OK, so that wouldn't be I don't like that idea at all, because basically if I were to do that in that circumstance was still there and I were to trade with them and I would have gotten something really good, and they would have charged me, of course, because like you said a second ago. But if the Roblox would replace them, it would either take away the pet from the person, and the trade wouldn't Mm. have happened anymore, and it would basically be like a scam. Mm -hmm. But if they were to just give the pet, and the other person got to keep theirs, and they both kept their stuff, like if I kept the pet that they traded me, but they got another one, then I wouldn't like that either because they traded it. They mm-hmm. did that. They made a bad decision. Yeah. And sometimes you got to put your grown-up pants on and accept that you made a bad decision. Yeah. Even if you're the best player at the game. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. How do you feel about, and keep in mind, the person with the most pets, their stuff is getting replaced. What if you or any other player lost their pets and Roblox refused to replace them? Okay, so I wouldn't like that because the fact that the person who has more, they can literally do more stuff. They wouldn't need a replacement because they have all these other things. Mm -hmm. So if it were swapped, I still wouldn't be okay with it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not okay with this especially. Yeah. Um, And I think it's because basically, like, if you're... um, like, if you don't have stuff and they're like, oh, we're not going to replace that, but we'll replace this person's, it's not fair at all because the person who lost their stuff, but Roblox won't give them uh, 
or they won't replace it, they're basically just making the person lose more stuff and they're not gonna get good at the game if they keep losing all their stuff and they won't replace it. Maybe then, okay. All right, we're gonna go back to this part where like people have the most pets and they like, you know, they get special treatment. All right, the person with the most pets or the people with the most pets, they get to uh, tell Adopt Me and Roblox that they want the rules changed because they're the best players in the game and they know how the game should be played and they have ideas for how it should be run. So Roblox is like, oh, sure, tell us how to run our own game. I think that really that shouldn't be a thing, but giving suggestions is a really good thing especially if the game would actually read them. Because mm -hmm. if you're giving like a good suggestion, like, oh, you should add this musical instrument or something, or like, you should add more kinds of dogs, those are good ideas mm -hmm. that they would read and they'd decide if everyone in the game, they could program them and they'd like the idea and everyone would like it. What if the ideas for changes are like, every time there's a brand new... Um, like ultra rare pet, we get them first. Okay, so because they're the best players, right? So they should, right? They want they want the best for themselves first. Yes, but the thing is, if you're really the best player, you're not going to care if you get it first or last. Hmm. Okay. Because the worst players, they are going to want the stuff first. Mm -hmm. But, like, they're going to work their way up, and it mm. should be the same for the better players. Oh, so everybody starts at the same point. Yeah. I'll be damned. It's the second time I said it today. I'm counting. All right, that's it. Those are all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. I love you. I love Sam more than you, but uh, I still love you. Well, that's rude. That was nice. Okay, bye. Bye. If we look at real life as the Adopt Me example, the regular players are me and you, Roblox or Adopt Me is the government, and the players with the most pets are the financial institutions, corporations, and super wealthy. And the pets can really be anything that you want, it doesn't matter what. You don't have it, but you like it and you want it, so it has value. The enjoyment you get out of the whole game revolves around how easily you get to play the game. And the great thing about Adopt Me is that there is no winning. It's all about raising and trading pets, that's it. You don't get rewards for having the most pets, but you do get rewards for saving and combining pets. Neon upgrades, for example. You do tasks to get money. You can set up a lemonade stand to get extra money. You get money just for logging into the game and playing. The point is, you always have money to put into the Adopt Me economy because Adopt Me works best when everyone has money to spend. The tasks you complete to earn Adopt Me money are enjoyable because they aren't the sole focus of the game. It doesn't take much time to complete the tasks and you make enough money to stay invested in the trading game itself. Now, for what it's worth, there is a whole ass other book I could write about how my daughter has been sucked into an online game that eats up real currency for fake currency and occupies most of her free time by encouraging the buying and selling of useless digital tokens and completely isolates her from the most pressing issues of human existence, climate change, nuclear war, racial justice, workers' rights, and so on. But for right now, I'm just going to admire the fact that my daughter and other kids have innate beliefs about what the rest of us would call trade economy. Also, we're going to touch on all of those subjects, so 
This introduction is officially over.